Welcome to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with myself, Todd Vino, and the one and only Clinton Wilkins. We are back, my friend. How's that feel? I mean, I think 2021 is uh, going to be a good year. I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people had challenges in 2020. And, yeah. you know, I think 2021 is going to be where it's at. I think so as well. And, of course, a little history lesson for people and many people listening would know that you and I have had a, a, a relationship on the radio uh, for a couple of years now uh, on News 95.7. And I thought we were done because, you know, there was a lot of challenges, obviously, in challenges. 2020 and, yeah. you know, challenges, um, you know, in, in many different things, not just people's employment, you know, their life mm-hmm. and everything else. And you know what? I'm excited to be back. Yeah. I uh, dealt with some of these challenges myself, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and, and but in a way, I think that makes it relatable to people out there in and I don't with with COVID. You would know in your business uh, firsthand uh, how many people. Do you have a percent of clients that you would have that would have been impacted in some way with with COVID and the pandemic and job loss and et cetera, well, I think et the national history was I think some somewhere around the thirty thirty three percent or so you know were impacted. I know there were several several deferrals, and um, even maybe more than the people that their impact you know their income was impacted. There were deferrals happening, so yeah. you know. It, it, it was a challenging year, and but I think there were some good things that came out of it, too. You know, I think people got back to basics. You know, they were looking at what would they were spending, and I think there was a lot of, you know, frivolous loss sometimes in terms of what your household income is. And I think people got back to basics, which I think is exciting. Yeah. I can tell you from our clients, many people said that, you know, they've never had more money than they have right now, which I think is positive. Maybe people weren't going out to eat or going out and shopping and stuff as much as they might have been if we were in a regular year. And I think that's paved the way for people to get that home ownership piece coming. So, yeah. Well, when the pandemic started, the thought was and, uh, across the board, including for your business, because you and I chatted when, when the mm-hmm. lockdowns began and yeah. all of that, because we were doing the radio show. And we were on regularly. We, we were on regularly. And, and you were uncertain even whether we were going to continue the segments or not. But we forged ahead. You believed in it. And you ended up having a, a banner year, right? It really was our best year ever. But yeah. I can tell you in March, we were concerned. Yeah. We were concerned that realtors were going to continue selling homes. We were concerned that uh, lawyers were going to continue practicing the law. We were concerned lenders were going to continue lending. There were some immediate liquidity issues within the banks. But the federal government jumped in and created a bunch of liquidity that kept them lending, which is really, really so important. But there were a couple weeks there in March that everyone was very, very concerned, including us. And I didn't know what was going to happen. But even for me personally and in my business, I looked at what we were spending and figured out what is that bare minimum that we can survive on. And I think that was such a great practice. And it's something that we're still still, you know, doing today and into 2021, even though for us and our business here um, and at the mortgage brokerage, you know, we had a great year. And I think in 2021, it's going to be a really good year for us as well. There's a lot of really great things happening here in Halifax. Well, that said, though, I mean, we're, we're waiting for uh, to see how the vaccines go with mm-hmm. Moderna and Pfizer. And there's 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 a lot of stories about complications with the vaccine and the rollout and how quickly it'll it'll get out to the provinces. Yeah. So we don't know. And this is the uncertainty that at some point we need to get some normality in our economy back, though, is there. Is there a barrier or a threshold that you think economically that is required in order to keep this momentum going? Well, I think we're very resilient here in Halifax, which is good. We had our Atlantic bubble, which I think for us positively impacted things. We are not as dependent 
on the West and Ontario as we might have thought that we were, because our borders really have been closed to the rest of the country for months, and we flourished here in Halifax. I think that people from BC, from Alberta, from Ontario have been moving to Halifax because they're thinking that if they never need to go back to the office, what a great place it is to live. Yeah. You can have a brand new, new construction home here in Halifax for under 500000 That might be the same as your one-bedroom condo in downtown Toronto. And we still have a very good quality of life here. So I don't see things slowing down. And I hear these concerns about inventory in terms of what's available for people to buy. But guess what? People are still buying. Mm -hmm. And the one really great thing here about Halifax, the rest of the county, Nova Scotia, if you can't afford a home on the peninsula, guess what? You can buy a home in Dartmouth. If you can't afford a home in Dartmouth, you can buy a home in Eastern Passage. And if you can't afford a home in, in HRM, you can buy in Hans County. You can buy in Truro. You can buy in Windsor. There are real estate available that is within a very reasonable distance of downtown right. Halifax, and that's exciting. People need to understand, though, when you are buying rurally, and we've talked about this mm -hmm. on our live stream, Facebook live stream, that lenders have their, their are, are different rules, I guess, or there are different guidelines depending if you live rural as opposed to in HRM, right? Yeah, that's 100% true. Necessary, There's a bit of a misconception. People think that if you're buying a cheaper property in a rural area, it'll be easier to get approved. If anything, it's more challenging yeah. to get approved. Those are the properties that might take a little bit longer to sell, which creates a higher level of risk to the lender. So if you don't pay and they have a loss, they want to be able to move that right away and cover their liability. But if you're on well and septic and you're in a more rural area, typically those properties take a longer time to sell than they would if they were in, uh, in the core of the city. Right. All right, I don't want to get too far ahead of us. We're going to be talking about Mary Detmus and, and, and so much important information here this time of year we're going to get to, but... Let's give everybody a little a little teaching who may be tuning in and not exactly sure what what you do, what a mortgage broker does, what the difference between what you do and, and what a bank does. Let's give everybody a little teaching here. Please. Yeah, we'll give them a little like Coles notes version. Yeah, We're yeah. getting into 2021 and we'll start right. fresh with that. Uh, yeah, right. And we probably have some new listeners. This is a new format new for us. It's a one-hour podcast. Yeah. Uh, previously, when we were on the radio, we were doing a 30-minute format most times with a call-in show. So this time, we're going. To, it's a podcast style. You and I are mm -hmm. recording it, and we have our listeners here uh, listening in, which we really do appreciate. Yeah. And if there's anything you do want us to talk about on this podcast, send us an email, send me a tweet, send us a Facebook message, and we'll talk about it on the next episode. Mm -hmm. uh, no problem at all about that. Um, we're basically going to pick the theme of these uh, podcasts, and we're going to talk you know, as in-depth as we can, and we're going to talk about things that are happening in the news, because this is happening in real time. So today, we're talking about Mary Detmus, and as we know, coming into 2021, everyone has New Year's resolutions. A lot of resolutions people have are around health and wellness, but we think that this year, financial health and wellness is even more important now than it ever has been in the past. And with Mary Detmus, we really talk about, is now the right time to refinance your home or do an early renewal for those of you that are homeowners? When we're doing a refinance, we can refinance up to 80% of the market value of your home. So for example, if your home is worth 300,000, we can do a new mortgage up to 240,000, less your existing mortgage or, home, or homeowner's line of credit. The balance of that equity can be used to consolidate debt, 
renovations, you know, investments. Um, and also we're talking a lot about, you know, early renewals because the rates are at all time lows. So a lot of clients are looking at breaking their term early and does that make sense to pay the penalty and secure a lower rate for the next period of time? I don't have a crystal ball and I'm not an economist, but I can tell you that the rates are at the bottom. We project and the economists are saying that they're going to stay low for the next couple of years. But again, we're not sure. So early renewals could be a good solution as well in 2021. But now we don't want to forget about our friends who don't own homes. Right. Yeah. You know, there's many people who want to get into homes. I can tell you I've never had so many people pre-approved, which is a very exciting. And, you know, we'll certainly talk a little bit about that as well. And I think the pre-approval process is also just so, so important. And I think a lot of people are going to have resolutions to say, you know what? I'm tired with renting. Mm -hmm. I want to own my own place. I want to control my situation. And, um, you know, uh, we can certainly talk about that as well when we come back. Okay. But before that, you got about a minute before we go to break. Again, the mortgage broker, the difference between you and I tried to get you to say this earlier, but you didn't listen to me. I before. know. The difference between us and going directly to the bank is, you know, we're biased to the consumer. Yeah. And we have access to about 40 different lenders. We have a great team here, and you can certainly check us out. You know, the best place to check us out is at teamclinton.ca slash radio. Lots of great information there. And, you know, we have access to 40 different lenders and we're biased to the consumer. That's really the business that we are in. And the majority of our business, over 60% is repeat clients. So I think that really speaks to the quality and value that we're giving these clients every day and that advice. So they're coming back and we'd love to help new people. So I think that, you know, listeners that are listening to our podcast and on the radio, certainly check us out or check out an unbiased mortgage professional that's in your area. And just the volume of lenders that you that you have available, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Everybody's situation's different. And the one thing that when you go to the bank, they're really glorified data entry clerks. They only have access to that one product. Right. And not every lender is for everyone. All right. We'll continue with Mary Detmus when we come back. Welcome back to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with myself, Todd Vino, and uh, Clinton Wilkins, of course. Are you a Michael Jackson fan, Clinton? I love MJ, and I think everyone probably remembers where they were when they heard that MJ was no more. Is MJ, I've never referred to him as MJ, is that a, is that a, a you're not a millennial, but. I'm not a millennial, I'm just before you're probably the, the millennial. shadows were. a millennial, I'll call yeah. you a millennial, is that I'm, a millennial I, thing? Well, I mean, whatever, I could be a millennial, I mean, probably act like a millennial sometimes, but, you know. Yeah, your skater outfit that you're wearing this morning? I don't, is, I don't know if it's a skater outfit, I think it's more of a yoga outfit, we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so we're going to talk to Mary Detmus. Uh, look, when it comes to debt, uh, there, there's such a thing as good debt and bad debt. We hear that terminology, right? And Always. And always, and, yeah. and you can verify that, and what's the difference? Well, I think sometimes people refer to bad debt as credit cards, lines of credit, stuff that is going to drag on. Those credit facilities were not designed to be forever plans, but some people have money that's sitting on a credit card that never gets paid down. And I can tell you certainly there's some very large unsecured lines of credit that people just use for whatever project and then never pay it down. So they're just paying that minimum payment, which sometimes is just the interest. Mm -hmm. And no one wants to go into retirement with unsecured debt. 
But I can tell you more and more Canadians are going into retirement in that situation. But I think that looking at a credit vehicle like a mortgage could be a great solution for a lot lot of borrowers. You can refinance up to 80% of the market value of your home. So it really gives you some availability to get some of that debt situation under control and get it into a credit facility that forces you to pay it down. So with a mortgage, you can amortize it over a maximum of 30 years. That might not be right for everyone. But if you're going into retirement and you're like, I'm never getting this debt paid down, but I want to start working on it and getting it into a lower interest rate product, an extended amortization, I think, makes sense. And oftentimes, an extended amortization on a mortgage like that, even going into retirement, is going to be cheaper than renting. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It can right your situation. I see a lot of borrowers, and it's sometimes our existing clients or maybe people that you know are new to our brokerage that are coming in to see me one, two, three, four, five years before retirement that we can plan and really make a great solution for them so they know that they're in a good situation going into that retirement situation. Just curious, what are some of the, I don't know why, but it's it's interesting, what are some of the biggest numbers you've seen in consumer debt with your clients, just off the charts numbers? You know, sometimes we see consumer debt in excess of $100,000. Wow. And that can be a very slippery slope. Yeah. You know, for me, I don't want to be in debt. No. You know, I want to ha- have that flexibility. For me, I'm self-employed. I don't know when the next paycheck is going to come. Luckily, we do have a business that, you know, we're doing many transactions. So, you know, we have money coming in Mm -hmm. all the time. But, you know, for many self-employed people, they don't know when their next paycheck is going to be. And I think that if you don't have consistent income you and you're also riddled with debt, that's when we're seeing some of these losses. And I think this year we're going to see some people that are going to be in some financial hardship. The deferrals are over. Some, t- some, you know, Canadians, their income has not recovered. You know, if you're involved in the restaurant business, in the gym business, in the tourism business, your income is likely still impacted. Yeah. And, you know, we're having conversations with people, um, you know, about their situation. There is nothing dishonorable about selling your home. And sometimes that's the best solution. You know, I would love to do a mortgage, but we're not doing a mortgage for mortgage sake here. We really want to make sure that we're going to put people in the best possible solution. And sometimes it makes sense to sell. Right. And, you know, we're having conversations like that all the time. And I think January is a great time to talk about Mary Detmas because all these credit card bills are going to start coming in. Some of us have overspent in the holiday season for whatever reason. You know, we wanted to, you know, go out of 2020 on a high note, you know, put lots of gifts under the tree. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that was the best best situation or best solution. Mm-hmm. And I think coming into 2021, look at your financial situation, open your mortgage statement, and, you know, give us a call. We can have, you know, a conversation over the phone to see, does a refinance work for you? And sometimes that's just running a couple quick numbers. And you know, we may say, no, you should hold off. But for some Canadians and some people who live in Halifax, having a refinance could be a great solution and really put them on the best foot forward for 2021. All right, so if somebody purchased a home in, in uh, two years ago, for instance, I bought a home a year and a half, two years ago, whatever it might be, in an, in an up-and-coming, air quotes, area of Spryfield, yep. which it is by Dunbrack, and it's uh, up-and-coming, and, and, and pr- the property value has just gone up because of purchases. So people may have more equity than they, than they even realize in, in their properties. Well, I think there's two things to consider here. Yeah. 
one thing, the property values are up. Right. So now is a great time to refinance because chances are when we get an appraisal on people's properties, like the one that you bought, yeah. the appraisal will come in higher than it would have last year. So that's one great You point. know that, that's, that's, that's for sure. That's Terrible. for sure. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. The other thing is the interest rates are lower. So there's two really good points on why people should think about a refinance or an early renewal. Values up, interest rates down, and we can eat up some of those penalty costs because of these lower interest rates. We want to make sure that we're at least at a break-even position, you know, when we're doing a, a refinance or an early renewal. I would never want to put someone in a position that they're not going to save money because, and it depends on what their situation is. If you're in a five-year fixed rate and you're six months into that five-year fixed, you may have a very large penalty to come out of that mortgage and it might not make sense. And I have conversations like that with consumers all the time and we really urge them to get what their penalty quote is going to be upfront. There's also some lenders that will not allow you to refinance your mortgage early. If you had a, like a no frills or a low rate mortgage, sometimes there's restrictive covenants on that mortgage that will not allow you to pay it out early. So I think just having a look at what the borrower situation is and really giving them that, that advice, I think, is so valuable. So this, though, for, for you when you have your own clients, mm -hmm. like I'm an existing client, yeah. and I know that because we had a conversation about this, my, because the way you set up my mortgage, my, pay, my penalty was minimal. Exactly. Small. And so that, that's part of what you do when you're looking and you're having this dialogue with your clients, right? And I think that brings up a really good point. Um, if you're in a fixed rate you're either going to pay three months interest or an interest rate differential to get out of your mortgage, out of the term early. And the longer amount of time that you have remaining on your term, the higher that interest rate differential could be. The banks are like the casinos. They never lose. And the banks are also like the cell phone companies. They treat new customers better than they treat the existing customers. But for customers like you, Todd, mm -hmm. who are in a variable rate mortgage, I think there's a lot of great news, and I think the people that are in the variable are the ones that are really going to have the most opportunity to do something now in 2021, or the people that are close to the end of their term. So when you're in a variable, it only costs three months interest to get out of your term early, and you can get out of your term at any time. Right. That's no matter you know if you want to sell the property, if you want to refinance, or if you want to do an early renewal. So there's lots of flexibility in the variable. And about 60% of our clients are in variable. It's not as popular today as it was pre-pandemic because the discounts on the variable are not quite as good as they once were. From the lenders themselves. Why? From, from Why the lenders. That? Why is that? Because when the pandemic first started and things started slowing down, locking down in March, the Bank of Canada started ringing the alarm because inflation was down. Inflation actually was negative at some point. So they lowered the key overnight rate. And the lenders are like, oh, my goodness, we can't afford to continue lending at prime minus 90, prime minus 100 or more. So they reduced those discounts. And the prime rate actually went down to 2.45. So it was great news for consumers who already had a mortgage because if they had a mortgage and they were at prime minus 100, for example, right. those borrowers have an interest rate at 1.45, which is amazing. But the new borrowers that were getting mortgages after March we're not getting that prime minus 100. Maybe they were getting prime minus 50, for example. So that really pushed those consumers into a fixed rate because the fixed and the variable were almost at parity, mm -hmm. which is a very strange situation. 
historically borrowers do better in a variable rate. Um, but you know, the world's upside down. So why shouldn't interest rates be upside down? And more and more consumers are doing a fixed rate today than they were before, because there is uncertainty that the prime rate's going to stay as low as it is right now. The economists are saying that it is going to stay for the next two to three years low. But again, things can change. As we know, there's a lot of news of what's happening um, in across the border. Mm-hmm. And that could impact our situation. Okay, I want to get the get into the nuts and bolts about the process of refinancing itself. We'll do that when we come back with Mortgage One Hundred One. Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. Delta Dawn, what's that flower you have on? Could it be a faded rose from days gone by? And did I hear All right, that almost sounds gospel to me. Well, it is actually gospel. We're back with Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with myself, Todd Vino, and Clinton Wilkins. Does that make you feel spiritual, Clinton? Well, I don't know if it's spiritual, and I'm certainly not 41, at least not 41 yet. Yeah. But, you You're know, rubbing it in? Is that it, what you're doing? It's coming. Is that a dig? It's coming. It's a dig about my age, isn't it? Well, I mean, you're still a young, a young dude. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. Young at heart, perhaps. I mean... We're, I think we're all young at heart. Yeah, the trade. To that, quickly, before we get into refinance, is there, is there a threshold when people should have a mortgage? Well, here's the when thing. When it comes to age? We are not ageist. So yeah. I can tell you, I do have some clients who are 90. 90 years and old? And I do have like some clients. New, new clients? New clients who are 90 years old. Oh, wow. And I do have some clients that are 19 years old. Yeah. But our average client in this office is somewhere in their 40s. Yeah. That's kind of the average. is yeah. mid to late 40s. Some would question why the, a, a lender would 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 want to lend a ninety year old money. Well, if a ninety year old has equity in their home, yeah, has the income and the credit, you know, they can qualify for but a I twenty year mortgage though, for a thirty year mortgage if they want. Yeah, but they but won't we, live to that live that out, right? No, but you and I might not live for another yeah. thirty years. We don't know. But there might need to be a little bit more justification on why we're doing the transaction. We certainly do have policies and procedures around lending to seniors. And it's more of to make sure that everyone's protected and that everyone's getting the right amount of disclosure. We do that with everyone, but we really want to understand that, you know, if there's a 90-year-old coming in here, they understand really what they're getting because we don't want to be the place that, you know, is going to be tagged for doing something that's not right. right and this is the exact reason why we don't want to do a refinance if it's not right for a consumer it doesn't matter what their age is and sometimes the transaction really is not in the best interest and we won't do it and you know i i, I think that is is powerful we send people away but guess what they come back and you know sometimes it's all about making a plan getting something together and you know uh, we certainly will circle back with them when that time is right. All right, we're talking refinance here, and uh, some people won't refinance uh, just based on the fact that it's they don't they hear about what's involved, the laundry list. Right. I think that sometimes like a refinance has a negative connotation. Right. People are like, yeah. I don't want to go get a second mortgage or a third mortgage. Yeah. It still would be a first mortgage on your property. We would pay out the existing mortgage that would be on there. And I think the goal about refinancing is to put you into a better position. And everyone needs and deserves to be in a better position, regardless if that's what a refinance means or not. 
you know, I think that we need to break down some of these barrier barriers to say, you know what, I want to get mortgage free. I have some consumers that have no mortgage on their house, but have that $100,000 worth of unsecured debt. That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Why would someone want to have debt at a higher interest rate than they would, um, you know, at the rates of what a mortgage is? And, you know, consumers can get a mortgage under 2% today. And as we know, credit cards and lines of credit can be 5 to 20% interest. And I think that with a refinance, it's not about creating new debt. It's about putting the debt that you have in the best possible vehicle. What about using some of that money, uh, refinancing and, and potentially investing money? Is, mm-hmm. is a, because, because the math would be there over a 10-year time on an index fund. The numbers would work. Some don't have the stomach for the volatility of that, but do you see that? What's I your, see what are your consumers in coming in that own their home free and clear that want to use the equity in their home for investment purposes. Right. I do see that. Yeah. They have to disclose to their investment people that it is borrowed funds. Right. Uh, because that has a certain level of consent that they have to say as well. Because just imagine if you borrow against your home and you invest and then you lose that money, yeah. you still have a mortgage. Exactly. And you may not have the income to then you know, take off that investment to service the debt. So we really want to make sure you can afford it without any of that uh, investment income. So it would really be based on your employment income, your pension income, stuff like that. We want to make sure that you could afford that mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um and when you are borrowing from your home, and if it is free and clear, if it's above a th- certain threshold of maybe a quarter million dollars, the lender is going to want some explanation of where are those funds going to. Is the stress test applicable? Stress in test this is, appli- case? Is, apl- is applicable to everyone. Everyone, right. So uh, today we qualify people at a higher rate. It's under 5%, but that's where the federal government thinks that median mark is going to be. They want to make sure that people can afford their mortgage if the rates do go up. You know, an interest rate below 2% today is great. And you know what? You're, it's great for the consumer. It's great for the amount of interest you're going to pay. But it's not going to be that rate forever. And we want to make sure that when these mortgages come up for renewal, the consumer is still going to be able to afford it. All right, let's talk to refinance, nuts and bolts, uh, what people need, documentation. Again, daunting sometimes when people look at the list here. And a deterrent to some to just say, I'm not doing it, but you already addressed that, mm-hmm. why, so they, I, why they should. I typically tell consumers that yeah. if we're going to do a transaction, you need to invest probably five hours of your time into that. Yeah. And with many files, the consumers are saving $5,000. So I'd love to be paid $1,000 an hour. I don't yeah. know about you, Todd. I'm but sure you already are. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, you don't want to brag. Well, yeah, I don't want to brag, but um, I can tell you that we work really hard, and it's really about putting those consumers in the best possible position. And it's not like you just come in here and, okay, the transaction's done. We need to do the exact same amount of work for a refinance, a renewal, a purchase. It's all the very similar types of documentation. So we look at three things. Mm-hmm. We look at client's income. We look at their assets, and we look at their credit. We put that situation together, submit the file for approval. Once we have the approval back, the lender will condition for certain things. On a refinance, majority of the time, there's an appraisal requirement. Some lenders use a low-ratio valuation system that is done through the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, so sometimes the property value is supported internally, so that's a bonus when they don't have to have an appraisal. But majority of people who are doing a refinance want to get their property appraised. They want to know what the real 
uh, market value is. And we can refinance up to 80% of the market value of that home. So that's one thing. The other thing is we need to confirm their income. So anything that we have in our application, we have to prove to the lender for compliance. So if we say you're employed, you know, you're employed within an employer for three years, um, we typically would be required to give them your pay stub, potentially your T4s, and sometimes they ask for a letter of employment to confirm, you know, the details of the employment. And sometimes they'll actually call on the letter to ensure that all the details in the letter are accurate. So, uh, you know, when you're employed, it's pretty easy. You know, job letter, pay stub, T4s, that should be no problem. Those are documents that are very readily and easily available. When you're self-employed, it's a little bit more complicated, but we love doing mortgages for self-employed people. Reason being is oftentimes when people are self-employed, you know, they've maybe been turned down by the bank or mm -hmm. by their lender, and they're concerned because their situation is a little bit more complex. But because we're doing so many transactions, we're really experts at that type of, you know, that type of thing. And when you're self-employed, typically what we do is we look at two years of your income that you're claiming on your personal income tax. So we would get two years of your tax returns, two years of your notice of assessment. And if you're a sole proprietor, we would average that income and we could actually gross it up by 15%. And that's the number that we could use to qualify you. If you own a corporation, then we would use maybe your salary from the corp, maybe your dividends, and then we would do a two-year average of that income. Now, self-employed people are notorious at having very low income on their income tax. Nobody wants to pay tax. I don't. I pay a lot of it. Yeah. You know, you pay tax. Yeah. Um, but self-employed people love trying to have a very low amount of income on their income tax. And, you know, some, they, some you know, borrowers have great accountants that they're able to keep a lot of uh, money in their corp and have very low income on their tax returns. But at the end of the day, if you're not having a lot of income on your income tax, you may need to qualify with an alternative lender. We might need to do a product called stated income for you. And that stated income product, we still need to justify your income. That might be from financial statements from your corporation. That might be 12 months of bank statements from your business account. And it needs to be in line with the type of industry that you're working in. So we'll do an application, and maybe on your income tax, it shows that you make $30,000 a year. But you come in and say, Clinton, I actually make $75,000, and here are the whys. Here's the money that's still remaining within my corporation. Here are the deposits that are going through my bank account. And if we can justify that, we have lenders that will do that. Now, it won't be at the rates that are as low as you know a normal borrower could get, or even a borrower who is self-employed that we have the uh, income confirmation on their tax returns. The borrowers that we have to do these stated income programs for, the rates are somewhere between you know, 4 and 6% typically, and sometimes the lenders also charge a setup fee of 1% to 2%. So it's slightly more costly. And the, the borrowers are like, well, I don't really like that higher rate. I still have great credit. I have great assets. But, you know, there's two sides of this coin. Would you rather pay more income tax or would you rather pay a slightly higher rate to get your mortgage? And typically when we do these alternative type deals, we only do it for a one or a two year term because our goal is to always get that borrower back into a more traditional lending situation. All right, so but credit is is king here with all of this, right? I mean, if if a lender, I'm assuming, doesn't have the credit, then they're gonna you're gonna have more of a challenge, right? Yeah, kind of starts with that, does it not? Credit is super super important, and that's yeah. one of the cornerstones of mortgage lending. Mm -hmm. But for those borrowers who don't have great credit, there still are solutions. So when we talk about stated income and we're going to an alternative lender, 
alternative lenders are also great at helping consumers that don't have great credit. So typically, if your credit's not as good, if you've gone through a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, or if you have some current credit issues, if you owe income tax, an alternative lender would consider you up to a maximum of 80%. So it's similar to the amount that you can borrow when you do a refinance. Whether it's a refinance or whether it's a purchase, typically it's a maximum of 80%. But if your situation is maybe even harder than uh, you know, a little bit off mm-hmm. of what the borrower could get at, the, uh, at, a, at a bank, sometimes you need a little bit more skin in the game. So maybe they'll only lend you 75% of the property value, or maybe they'll only lend you 65% of the property value. But I think look for us looking at the income, the assets, and the credit, we can make a plan. And oftentimes when we're doing these alternative type lending transactions, it's a Band-Aid until we can get the borrower on to another lender. Sometimes we'll just do a, a six-month term. And then we can take them out and get them back into a more traditional lender. We see it all the time. And those are the borrowers that we really love helping as well. Um, probably over 10% of our business, mm-hmm. we're helping these borrowers that need a little bit of a helping hand. Uh, what about closing costs? We know when with a new purchase, closing costs are, are closing exorbitant. Closing costs are really super, super uh, you know, important with refinance, to know. What are they? Um, with, with a refinance, typically it's just legal fees. Right penalty from the existing mortgage, yeah. discharge fee from the existing mortgage, and maybe the appraisal. So the closing costs are, are, are pretty low when we're talking about a refinance or a renewal. And maybe when we come back from the break, we can talk a little bit about buying a home. I know there's lots of consumers that are probably listening that, you know, their dream in 2021 is to buy their first home, and we can talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, we're going to get to that. So just before that, though, percent-wise, you don't pay that. There's a big fee when a new purchase. The transfer tax. That's the big one, right? That's 2% or it's one? In, in HRM, it's 1.5% 1. 1. 1. 5, 1. 5% right. of the purchase price. Right. And that is only when you buy a home. When yeah. you refinance, that doesn't apply in Nova Scotia. Yeah. In other provinces, they do have a different scheme on how their detransfer tax works. It's tied more into what the mortgage balance would be. But in Nova Scotia, you only pay the detransfer tax when you buy a home. Exactly. Okay, when we come back, as mentioned, we're going to talk uh, new purchases. We'll be back with Mortgage 101. Welcome back to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. We've been talking a lot about debt, but we also did not want to leave out you out there listening who may want to get into the home ownership game for the first time. And 2021, it's January, and this is a good opportunity, right? I think it's a great time to own a home. I don't think there's ever been a better time than there is right now. Why do you say that? Well, I think that, you know, a lot of people... uh, were locked down during COVID and you know they were locked down in a home that might not have been the best suited maybe they already own a home already and they want to buy another home I think that's it there's a great time to talk about that but maybe you're renting and you have an apartment and you're like I I can't do another lockdown slowdown in the space that I'm in now so I think there's some great motivation and I think there's been no better time than 2021 to own a home well, also with vacancy rates at, at 1% or whatever, they're skyrocketing rents. Now, it makes ob- sense, doesn't it? The Tenancy Board obviously put in some rules uh, backdating to September to protect tenants. Yeah. But when you own your home, you can really pave your own path. And you're really uh, going to control your future. The other great thing around home ownership is property values are increasing. So you're going to build some equity. And while you own that home, you're also going to pay down the debt. So that's going to increase your net worth. 
How much money should people, I guess it depends on what they're going to purchase and mm -hmm. their income is, but what type of money should people have in the bank before they even think about this? Well, the minimum down payment in Canada is 5% yeah. on the first $500,000. Mm -hmm. Our rule of thumb in terms of closing costs is to have another 3%. Within that 3%, one and a half of that, so half of that would go to detransfer tax, and the other one and a half percent would go to legal, property tax adjustment, oil, propane, moving hookups, inspections, stuff like that. So when we're talking about maybe buying a $200,000 house, if you should have uh, you know, 8%, that's $16,000. Right. Uh, can do, can people borrow that money? Yes. They can. Flex down does still exist. CMHC will not insure a mortgage with borrowed down payment, but there's two other insurers in Canada. So they will insure a mortgage if you borrow the funds for your down payment. The funds could be borrowed from the Nova Scotia Down Payment Assistance Program. They could be borrowed from a line of credit, credit card, a loan. Borrowing funds is an option, but you're going to pay a slightly higher insurance premium because it's a riskier deal to the insurer. The other option, we love the bank of mom and dad. Right. So that's considered owned funds. The bank of mom and dad is involved in a lot of transactions we're doing. Sometimes they're gifting a portion of the down payment. Sometimes they're gifting it all. Sometimes they're just helping with the closing costs. And lenders love that as well because they know that they're going to have some support from family. And it also enables borrowers to get into home ownership, maybe when they uh, might not have been able to um, before. Maybe they didn't have that savings, the savings in place. What if somebody just comes up with seventeen thousand dollars out of the blue? Well, there, what, there's compliance rules. Yeah, here and so you ha like that, so we right? have to get a ninety day history on the funds, right? right. And that's for anti money laundering. Right. The federal government requires us to get ninety day history on where the funds have come from. So if there have been any large deposits in the account or in the investments, we need to track that back and we need to provide the history. Sometimes people will sell assets, like sell a car, sell an investment, mm -hmm. you know, get a gift. We need to get the paper trail to support that 90-day history of those funds. So if it's beyond the three months, it, then it doesn't matter? If you, Once you, the money's been in your account for three months, it's your, it's it's your money. It's your money. So there's no question. If you get 20 grand, 20 Gs, it's been there for six months, you're not going to ask where it came from. It's been in that bank account. We're not going to ask. The times that we do start asking some additional questions, if we do have a 20-year-old that has $100,000 in the bank, mm -hmm. how did that 20-year-old get those funds? Yeah. That's unusual. Does it happen? It does happen. And yeah. the lenders do ask the questions. We need to justify it because it's very unusual you know, for a young person to have a lot of money. So typically, that either came from selling an asset, working in sa and saving the funds, or a gift. Chances are a 20-year-old doesn't have enough lifetime to save $100,000 from working. Yeah. We need to have a little bit of justification that goes along with that application because it's for compliance and it's about risk management. They want to make sure that, that those funds did not come from proceeds of crime. So when it comes to people's employment, what if somebody's been working somewhere, they just changed jobs? Mm -hmm. or that happens or a lot. It happens a lot. Mm -hmm. or, or perhaps they're considering a, a change of, of employment and they think, well, maybe might this might not be the time to purchase. Be, I've got the money in the bank. I've got, but I, my employment history is going to change. What advice do you give people when if it comes the to the employment history changes? Yeah. We typically have no problem with it as long as we can disclose it to the lender up front. They may want your job offer, and they may also want a current letter of employment, and they're probably going to call your employer. Yeah. It happens that we have borrowers that are on probation, and we can get an exception. But obviously, if we're asking for an exception, it better be a pretty strong file. 
And we see borrowers that change jobs all the time. The real key is you either need to be guaranteed hours or you need to be on a salary. If you're changing jobs and there's no guarantee, that's a real tough one. Typically, any borrower that doesn't have guaranteed income, we need to have a two-year average of their T4s. So they need to work two full tax years before we can consider that income. And of course, there's exceptions to every rule, but by and large, that's what's required. Okay. At some point when people come in as, as couples or mm-hmm. whatever form that takes, what about uh, two on the application? One on the, Sometimes if one doesn't have good credit, uh, then maybe that might not be advantageous. However, they may need that income. How do you balance all of that? So, you know, it really comes down to looking at the income, assets, and credit for every borrower that's going to be on the file. If we have one borrower that doesn't have great credit, but we need the income, then we need to really justify that credit situation. The minimum credit score for the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation to get an insured mortgage today is 680. So if that borrower does not have a 680 credit score, they cannot have an application go to CMHC. But luckily, the other two insurers may entertain it. If the other borrower's credit's very strong, and we can fix any of the credit issues on that borrower with the majority of the income, we can likely get the file done. But we still need to have everything fixed in terms of the negative stuff, and the credit score needs to be reasonable. Like, it needs to be like 620, 30, 40, 50, 60 for us to really get that, that deal done. If, for some reason, the credit score is below that, then it's really an application that would go for alternative lending. And the minimum, minimum down payment for alternative lending is 20% down. But obviously, the more negative the file is, the more skin that borrower is going to need in the game. It's pretty amazing to me, though. Sometimes we see borrowers that want to do an application at 5% down and the, you know they get turned down or whatever. And we're like, we can't make it work at, at 5% down, but if you can come up with 20% down, I think I can make it work. Miraculously, people come up with the funds. Mm-hmm. You know, They come up with the funds yeah. from savings or they come up from the funds from a gift. You know, Borrowers are very motivated, especially if this is going to be their primary residence. Uh, just quickly, uh, rental, is that a good option? I guess it would depend for a first-time home buyer. Yeah, we have lots of borrowers who want to buy rental properties. And a lot of our existing clients, we talk to them all the time about buying rentals. The minimum down payment for a rental property is 20%. Typically, we have our clients um, with a maximum of five properties that are rentals, and we'll finance a single family up to a four-unit through our residential channel. Beyond having five properties and four units per property, so that would be 20 units total, anything beyond that would then need to go to commercial. Okay, before we wrap, let's 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 do a wrap on what we talked about and uh, and Mary Detmus. Just some quick pointers for those who are just uh, tuning in or are hearing this portion of the show. Mm-hmm. What are what are some of those key points you want people to know about when it comes to debt? Well, I think Mary Detmus is really synonymous with January. I think coming into twenty twenty one, it's just so important to think about all of your finances. When we talk about Mary Detmus, we really talk about refinance, and you can refinance up to eighty percent of the market value of your home. I think that we're going to see more refinances this year, specifically because the property values are up and the interest rates are down. So I think that, you know, borrowers should certainly think about a refi. And I think getting rid of that consumer debt this year is going to be important. So look at what you owe on credit cards, lines of credit, loans. Typically, those interest rates are higher than what you're able to get on a mortgage. 
And I think we really need to break down the barriers and the misconception around refinancing because I think having the debt in the best vehicle, it's not about creating more debt. It's about getting what the best possible debt and the best possible right. situation you can be in in 2020. And how do people get a hold of you? Check us out online, teamclinton.ca slash radio. Lots of great information there. And, um, you know, check us out. And I think using an unbiased mortgage professional this year is going to be more important than it ever has been. And uh, check us out or check out an, uh, another unbiased mortgage professional in your area. And we're back next month. We'll be back in February. We're going to be talking about Love Your Home. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Absolutely. Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. We'll see you next time.